We are live. Uh, we are back for episode 10 of Beard Banter. I am getting ready to head out of town for the beginning of another, I guess, four or five weeks on the road. Six, I think, is what we counted right before this, Matt. Uh, and so I'm happy to have everybody here. Please remember, chat in there. It'll make this much more fun uh, if you are watching live. Uh, please chat on either YouTube or on LinkedIn, and we will receive that. And I am here with Matt uh, from Canada. He's my metal yeah. ganger, if you will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian entity, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, uh, the Canadian entity formerly known as Matt. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. So it was great. I, I, um, I actually didn't know this. I set up, and I'll just tell on myself here. So I set up a web form for people to be able to sign up to be on the show. And I, I actually uh, did wrong, wrong, and I was not receiving sign up so i came back to six people uh with with you know signups and so i'm i've now scheduled all of that it's all filtered out on my page on cybermatlee.com so you can kind of keep an eye on where i'm going to be uh, what upcoming banter exists but uh glad to have you guys here do you mind telling the people kind of uh, about yourself a little bit your background um, and then we'll go from there yeah um you know thanks for the introduction love being here i've uh, been a big fan of the series <laughs> i think it's ob obligated to say but no, quite honestly. So I come from really IT background, MSP industry. Um, you know, the last about six years, six and a half years prior to my start here at PAX 8, we, um, you know, I spent a lot of time doing solution architectural design, project management service. So I really got a good kind of crash course on the, the industry. Um, but even prior to that, you know, I was looking into being an IT director for a shipping company, really trying to like refresh architecture, not necessarily in the cloud fashion, uh, but, you know, dealing with hardware, you know, age systems, old VMware clusters, things like that. So, you know, a, a lot of what my experience kind of to date, uh, prior to my little stinge into project management would have been really figuring out, you know, how to optimize, how to build out, how to refactor environments uh, to really make businesses kind of grow and survive. Because we, you know, as we'll probably talk about more, we've seen just a massive shift in like what businesses and organizations look like now. Yeah. And I feel like I, I really took like the crash course through that as fast as possible. Sure. So. That's awesome. And so you are on our ISC team, which is our infrastructure sales consultants, but just a big background in cloudifying. And I think mm -hmm. it would, it's helpful for people to kind of talk about, you know, what my view of cloud is and where we are today and where we're going. And so I'll, I'll kind of rehash this for anybody that's ever heard this before. I'm sorry, it's time to get a cup of coffee or something. But, um, you know, in short, you have a situation where, Everything used to be infrastructure. Our world started as software running on Server 2000, 2003, 2008, 2008, R2, 12, 12, R2, 16, 19, 20, you name it. Um, still it, there. Yeah, some of those. I might have missed one. I don't think I missed any, uh, on the, at least on the server OS. Uh, okay, fair, 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 NT, fair. Um, jerk. A true story. Um, so we built our world on these servers, and we ran infrastructure. And by that, I mean you installed some software that you had to plan for and have the right resources and have the right SQL database on the right letter drive so you can make sure you're taking advantage of the right spindle. And, and you had to make sure you set it up from the way the manufacturer wanted. And oftentimes that drove us down this level of not security. And if you looked at it from the other side, of the coin, the manufacturer of this software is going, I can't plan for all these fucking variables. There's no chance of me to deal with all I'm just going to have to, you know what? We need admin rights on every file. You know what? We need, and, and oh, so yeah. they, they, they dealt with that. And so as you see, some services shift to this kind of future state of cloud, which is mostly SaaS based in my mind uh, or function mm -hmm. as a service. Um, and, and, and a lot of stuff though started down the path of server, 
you know, then you went into virtualization, uh, and then you went into different flavors of virtualization. Then you went into hybrid virtualization or IaaS, you know, infrastructure as a service out there. And so that's kind of where Azure starts to live. But Azure blends this mix of IaaS, function as a service, right, and 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 some of these kind of modern things too. Yeah. but yeah, my vision of the world heads towards SaaS, uh, where it's most of it is not in your hands, and you're just simply bringing an identity to that service. But yeah. you're well, living like, in the world of where people are. <laughs> yeah, like when, we, when we talk about the transition, right? Like, so you'd mentioned, you know, the history of going from like single server to virtualization, and virtualization yeah. to, you know, maybe some clustering, some network attached storage. Like all of a sudden, yeah. the data demands and everything, and things constantly shift. And like we will see the same patterns over and over again. Um, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about like the sunk cost fallacy Yeah. of like, I've done it this way. But I've got a server in my closet I just bought and I've already yeah. invested all. The- yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, like I bought five servers. Why would I virtualize them all into one? Like, it's just, you know, I've already got the servers back. There. I'll just do <laughs> yeah. five. I, I literally five have heard that answer. I'm sure you have oh, too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like literally <laughs> in the old P2V days, this would be dating myself, but it's been a minute. But yeah, yeah. but that like, that's the whole thing. But beyond like, capital and hardware investment there there's an educational investment that a lot of technicians and not to say there's like an ageism thing behind this but if we look at like any startup right now do you think a startup is going to go and deploy an active directory domain controller you know or they're going to go and like yeah we need physical infrastructure even spinning this up in azure like we're five users let's get a domain controller up in azure no they're going to go to office 365 all their applications are going to be cloud-based ADJ, right? They're going to Azure Active Directory join with their machines if yeah, they're smart. You know, or like G Suite or, or whatever the case is. But like, yeah, they're not going to do physical hardware investment. They're probably barely even going to provide hardware to their new staff. So yeah, I, 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 I love right? like, this. Like, I love this because I preach this, right? Like, I, I use yeah. this as my close your eyes and dream statement, right? Like, yeah. if you close your eyes and dream, does your competitor start up with all of this infrastructure, with these anchors, all this work they have to do, all the bells and whistles they need to turn, right? Like, you know, there, there used to be this um, uh, chief of electricity in a factory during the Industrial Revolution. Their mm-hmm. job was principally to make sure that there was enough electrical current, enough, you know, capabilities to deliver these. Fa- it's not like that got any more uh, or less complex. It just yeah. moved to a utility. It became commoditized. You now just run yeah. in three-phase power or four-phase. Like, you, you, that's how this works, right? You know the amperage of your circuit. Yeah. So when we're talking... So when we're talking about like the sunk cost, you also have to realize like if you've built your entire practice on server deployments, understanding this technology stack, and it's it is kind of going against what you'll always hear about what an optimal MSP is by having that ideal stack and like don't chase the bells and whistles. But at a certain point, you've got to identify and understand like you're in a market shift. And as much as you want to stay on premise possible, like you have to have some form of cloud, whether it's a hybridized or a full cloud approach in your quiver. Let, you don't have that. You're you're going to start realizing you're, you're being eroded from the ground up. Well, let's talk right? about if you were trying to approach this, let's try to look at it like I think you said it really well. Um, and by the way, thanks, Jessica. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. <laughs> Fake beard or otherwise, we're happy to yeah. have you here. Um, but if you think about this from a business function, if you think about this from what does a pure cloud all AAD, no Azure infrastructure, right? And mm-hmm. we can talk, we'll break back into the Azure as the bridge here in a minute, I think. Sure. This, this is a bridge. But if you look about what business function it means, it means that if I hire a new person in New Mexico and I'm based in California, or if I'm based in Florida, I can have a laptop drop shipped. I can actually probably use some tools that are out there like Roost right now is shooting towards this mm-hmm. and other tools that are out there. They're saying, hey, when I bring on a new employee, 
I want them to go ahead and get a device from Ingram Micro that's going to get drop shipped them. I want to bring that device's hash and information into this Intune structure. I want to set it up in autopilot with an autopilot preview that's done hardware based on the TPM. What that means is the user just simply has to turn it on and connect to the internet. No other interaction until it's mm -hmm. time to sign in and use their computer, which means you can just drop ship something and have it fully functional for a staff member as an automation that might even start in your HR system, which means that as, as an MSP or as a business, you're creating this massively capable, very, very rapid, and also removing stupid humans like me from the workflow and the process. So, yeah. so you talk about business capabilities. I can get a user up faster. Mm -hmm. I can attract users better. What I mean by that is I go back to my story about our marketing person that told about her story at, at when I was at a former MSP. And she said, hey, listen, I went to an internship and it was horrible. I had to think about V drives and I had this VPN and all these horrible. And I'm like, wow, this person's never seen a map drive. They've never seen a server. They've never seen group policy in that way. They've always used either Google in middle school and Google Drive and Google Workstations or Google Laptops and Google OS, right? Or they were using Microsoft in college and using Microsoft OneDrive and sharing things and information yeah. in schools in that way. Like, and I think yeah. there's like a delineating line in the sand right now. Like, I, I always kind of hate bringing it back up, but you know, I have always heard that the term or the phrase like you know the pandemic accelerated technical adoption by like ten years. And like as much of a buzzword as that might be. Yeah. Think of how eight, many of us eight and a half was my calculation. Eight yeah, give or take, right? <laughs> you know, that, uh, ten Canadian. Sorry. Yeah, ten Canadian. Um, Fair. <laughs> it's great. But uh, realistically, we have to, you know, when we're talking about the organizations, and you know, we have experiences where it's like, oh, well, I need to go work from home now. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, pack up your desk, I guess, and IT will deal with it. I don't know how many how many gray hairs like on myself mm. kind of got in that transition. And our MSP, the MSP I came from, was. We were pretty forward thinking. We made sure we had VPN capable devices in almost every one of our partners, but we did run into some of those limitations. There wasn't sizing. enough bandwidth because you were Band, using you know, something that used to, let me help the public understand this. That's not super technical inside an office network. You typically have a 10 gig backplane between servers or 10,000 megabit per second or 10,000 whatever. doesn't matter however you want to calculate it, but you, you have in the internet, now, everybody's still using this demand. And let's say it's 1,000 meg to the end device. That's about right. So 1,000 meg at the end device, which means you could access your server at somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 or whatever demand, you know, dictated capabilities. Mm -hmm. So here's your 1,000 line. And when you move home and you have a 100 by 100 fiber circuit or heaven forbid, a 100 by 20, you know, cable modem where you only have 20 megs up and 100, which means if you're home, you the up is what it can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, even worse, right? So you're looking at taking all these users that used to be in this very large hot dog down a hallway kind of conversation network <laughs> capabilities, right? And, and now they're being forced to say, hey, listen, put that through the keyhole. And you're like, wow, that's, yeah. this is terrible, my experience. And so you then turn to mm. virtualization techniques. You then turn to trying to use remote desktops because that's a lower bandwidth mm. consumption. You're doing these things that change the way you're supposed to work in the way you used before. And when you start thinking about cloud, pure cloud, it's, it's just designed mm. to already work that way. It works over TLS. We connect out to a cloud service that yeah. happens to be nearest us. Um, and you start, I mean, there's challenges. Don't get me wrong. There are negative sides here too. Don't. But, but just imagine if you're in that business it case is, yeah. where... Everything's tied to one identity. That identity extends into your one of 30 or 40 applications you use as an enterprise across a, you know, your mm -hmm. SAML and OIDC base, right? Or single sign-on base. Um, compared to somebody that has a server and they're running an application on IIS that depends on a SQL server behind it. And those have to be able to talk on a LAN. They're not, they're not, they don't understand how to talk to Azure AD. 
that's well, where Azure comes in to bridge that gap, right? Like, and then depending on where you were and what applications you're using, like VPN was like, great, you're now part of this network, but guess right. what? Your line of business app doesn't work over VPN. In right. fact, if the vendor finds out you're doing that and you corrupt the database, I'm looking at you QuickBooks. Contract. Yeah, I'm looking at you QuickBooks. Well, like realistically, it, even like we had clients that were using access databases. Oh man. You know, because they just build them, we built them and like, or we didn't like they'd built them. They'd been like the cornerstone. Like, yeah, we get it. Yeah, we, yeah. You know, we need something. We're working towards it. It's a three-year process. It's been our entire organization for like 10 years. And then yeah. they had to go remote. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, they just placed an order for 10 computers to literally act as jump boxes yep. so they can send people home. And then a boat gets wedged in a canal for 72 hours and the entire supply chain falls apart for two years. Yeah. <laughs> I probably yeah. like bridge. Yeah, a little, there, but, a little summative, but you're not far from the truth, yeah. right? Like, well, like, realistically, yeah. like our supply chain took a massive constraint, massive hit. And all of a sudden organizations are being told, yeah, four to six months for a server. Yeah. Well, my server is dead now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, then, and I think you know, moving to a pure Azure or, or, or let's not be exclusive. Let's say Azure, AWS, Google, IaaS, all of these kind of models, right? Like this space, you know, that, that can be a bridge gap, right? If you were to cloudify your servers and your infrastructure, you have to live with, like, and I'm talking to you doctors that have an EMR and they're not going to be able to move yeah. overnight. They're not going to be able to move a, uh, you know, an, a, a, a platform product for their line of business like if you look at look at manufacturing and, and the erps and things like that those are massive yeah. and, and somewhat monolithic and they're going to take time to move to their cloud products that they're starting to offer and those kind of things mm -hmm. so that being said one answer what we did when i was at my former company and we were trying to be super secure and resilient and mm -hmm. be able to survive these changes um we bound straight to azure active directory so we did make our primary identity provider and our machines were all managed through Intune. We didn't have an RMM anymore, so I didn't have that supply chain risk. We didn't have, you know, those type of things. We were doing all of our policy through scripting in, in Intune or through uh, those type of methods. Um, but what we found ourselves was with, with legacy stuff. Like we still had to run an RMM, and that, that RMM depended on a Active Directory, traditional Active Directory, and it didn't have a lot yeah. of, like, capabilities to add in, you know, uh, Azure Active Directory directly or even through Graph and uh, or through LDAP-S, some of it. So what we ended up doing was spinning up an AADDS, so Azure Active Directory Domain Services Bolt. What that does is it, like, replicates AD in some ways. You can't do some fancy yeah, GPOs it, with it. you got some gaps. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. essentially it's taking what, what I like about that service in general and kind of really the whole shift is like stop running infrastructure and architecture, like massive amounts, massive vulnerability. And it's kind of the argument of running. like And don't put it in front. EBay. Like the way the way I looked at it was like this. Don't let my, my AD be the deciding factor. Let cloud be front. Right. Yeah. And let that be your identity and then extend that into your your legacy infrastructure. Don't let the legacy infrastructure with all of its front surface area and attack surface be the front. I think we're yeah. saying the same thing. So well, like, I know, um, you know, the one thing is like, you know, when you're and you'll see with Azure files, you'll see it with SQL yeah. database services. It's like, look, traditionally, you would have to buy all this licensing. Let's take the licensing equation out. You'd have to provision yeah, all yeah. this hardware. You have to put this entire underlying architecture, which means you need to back up and protect the operating system you need to make sure that yeah, everything you're on responsible for it is humming along is yep. secured and then you worry about the application on a subset and so now you're also backing up sql so if we look at the identity services like the active directory you know yes you can spin up a domain controller for fairly cheap but like you also need to back that up you need to make sure yeah. that there's no corruptions you need to make sure your recycling bin is turned on for your ad 
you know, you need to make <laughs> I sure learned that lesson so hard, uh, dude. I think everyone I don't did. even want to talk <laughs> about it. Like, yeah. I was deleting Exchange. I think this is where it all starts for a lot that of people. That is exactly what you did. You move Exchange <laughs> and you hit a checkbox and it wipes the directory. Oh, dude, it's so bad. Right now. He's oh, my CEO it. was sitting there and he was, it was so bad. Yeah. I, it was so, yeah. I mean, it was 11 years ago, but God bless, it was rough. We just call it a backup <laughs> test. Like all we were doing, was <laughs> yeah, we were just testing the function of our backup. Yeah. But you know, oh, like, if we take it something that might be a little like if you're not necessarily in the industry, maybe you're just you're interested in this stuff. Like a better example of that would have been like the Hafnium exploits with Exchange eight months ago, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, time's a delusion at this point. Um, when Hafnium hit, we had a handful of clients still on Exchange in heaven. It was December 2020, so it was a minute oh, ago. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, he had a handful of clients still in exchange and it was like we found out about it at 7 p.m at night yep and at 705 we logged on and checked and they were already compromised and yep. we're talking within three hours right so it's like well what are the options we've got to rebuild the entire environment because we don't right. know what's in here now yeah yeah and then or at least bring in incident response and start to discover yeah. those things yeah and then we start to figure it's like wait did, did office 365 get hit with that no okay so here's a great argument yes office 365 at 610 at the time canadian would have been more expensive when you configured the OPEX versus CAPEX expenditure. But guess what? They don't have a $20,000 domain environment rebuild now because yeah. we left the security and everything with the people that have a real big interest in making well, sure that stuff Well, and the auditability of the cloud side is so much more linear, right? Uh, yeah. You have only X number of variables and options. Now, if they ever got beyond that, then obviously there's not much we can do. But as far as like, did yeah. you set up an admin user? What was in the audit logs? Like all that's fairly ubiquitously tracked, right? Yeah. Like, And so you can do forensics on cloud much easier and, and you're not even left with that choice that you would be left with in the in the domain environment where well, there are- basic management. You know, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. so if you talk about like the patch windows, like when was the last right. time you've had to apply a cumulative update to an exchange server? And oh, that, back in the day, bro. Server. That was brutal. Yeah. 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 See you one, one in the morning and you're by six if you're lucky yeah. and you find yeah. your transport. Depending on your structure anymore. and how much. Yeah. Or that ghost yeah. user they put in there that's not clean, even though it's never going to be clean. It's uh, in, the, um, in the database some, sometimes. Yeah, it's rough. Find your OWA doesn't work anymore. And it's just like, why can't this just work? Yeah. And then you realize like it's also like your drives are filling up, your 15K drives. Yeah. And, and nobody would do that it. tomorrow. Right. To your point, yeah. if we want to keep this back to business conversation, what we're talking yeah. about and what we're elaborating on for anyone listening is that, you know, when you have traditional infrastructure, you're responsible for all of it. If you've ever seen, uh, go look up pizza as a service. It's a fantastic way to understand this. And it basically asserts that, you know, in the, in the on-prem model, you own the entire thing. You got to get the pizza sauce. You got to get the crust. You got to get the oven. You have to bake it. You have to have the cheese. You have to have the tablecloth. You have to have the plates. You have to have the, right. And, and if anything's wrong, you're responsible for it. You're the one that poisoned everybody. You did the, and when you start getting into this shared responsibility model with clouds, as you start thinking about using these things in a way that we're forcing them to be more and more secure, you start getting into SaaS where SaaS is, they pay for everything. Like you, you literally show up at the pizza restaurant and they feed you, right? Like that's it. They're, they're, they're going to clean the table yeah. afterwards. They're going to clean this stuff to make everything. They're going to. And so like you start thinking of, you know, we're drifting towards these function as a service, SaaS and platform as a service models um, that, that also bring identity as a service to the cloud. And so as a business function, 
I can do it from Starbucks. I can do it from anywhere. If I add in a sassy edge on top of that and some zero trust principles on top of that, we have a very, very healthy model for Mm -hmm. consuming cloud services that can't happen with infrastructure. You're in this like married kind of hybrid state unless you do it the way that, that I'm talking about where you shift it into behind yeah. Azure AD as, an, as a DS extensibility or AWS and their own versions of those. But um, So yeah, let's bring it back to the, the, like the sunk cost fallacy. Sure, right? sure. Be, this you know, principle of I bought those servers two years ago. I normally expense them over five. I don't want to yeah. do anything about it for the next three years. And this is not only necessarily from the client standpoint, but from you know the, the partner standpoint, the the MSP, right? So the the IT provider. At this point, you know it, you're you're a trusted advisor, so you're bringing recommendations to your clientele based on information currently available to you. And there may be this risk of like, look, I see this new technology as being really valuable to my clients, but I just sold them a server, so I'm not going to tell them about it. Oh yeah, and that's problematic. You don't yeah. necessarily have to sell them something, but if you're having regular cadence meetings with these clients, you got to say, like, look, you know, some great things have happened. We saw a large market shift. My organization is now offering these cloud and hybridized services for their, these very reasons. And this is something I intend to move you to down the road. Right. But if you find anything in your organization that might be driving the acceleration of this, let me know. And that will get into the sunk cost fallacy of like, well, you know, I'm supposed to get five years out of this server. But what business looks the same today as it did in 2019? Yeah. And if it does, like, Better look are they different. still going to be, a, yeah, yeah, are they yeah. be a business in 2025, right? Like, right. And, and we're seeing Well, and, and you take this, this conversation, right? My competitor that's yeah. starting up is not going to have these challenges. They're going to be able to scale quickly. They're just one unit cost away. There's no capital investment. I don't have $80,000 in server and infrastructure and licensing. I just have a monthly cost per user, um, right? As you start looking at that, that means that the very shift, not just the MSP, just mm-hmm. anyone business-wise, that if you are going to see this fast, flexible change, if you are seeing this catalyst of an understanding of security and a renaissance in that space, if you are seeing it's much easier to do in that world than it is with these people with infrastructure. That's the simple premise to understand. Mm-hmm. If you understand that, then that means that that competitor should be better than you. They should be faster than you. They should be more agile. They should be able to take your people. They should be able to grow and take your clients ultimately. And the only thing you have as a current person is momentum and and entrenched trust with your partners. So yeah. the way I would sell this as to an MSP is you have to be more like the advisor. Um, we were talking about this the other day, right, Matt? Like my, yeah, my yeah. tax attorney had a had a thing called Sugarloaf. Okay, this has been many years ago. But Sugarloaf was this understanding that in Brazil, you cannot retire bad debt. And so since you can't retire bad debt, you could sell it theoretically to someone in the United States to collect that debt. And so an entity in the United States exists that was a business that that bought that debt for 100000 for a million, and you could put in $100,000 and you would have a million-dollar tax write-off to take over the next few years as an immediate loss. And in the United States, as long as you collected some percentage of that or showed efforts to collect some percentage of that, then it was okay to write that off immediately and take that out. And so there's just this strategy. But as it changed, and as my attorney came and talked about this to my clients and talked about this to different people that I knew, that as it changed over time, I was never pissed at him. The game changed. I understood the game changed, right? It yeah. was part of the way we had to deal with this. Now it had to be a, a different type of entity. Now it had, and he had white papers from the IRS to say this is what we need to do from a guidance perspective. That, that's why I paid him. He was an advisor. Yeah. He, was a, he was a trusted advisor. And I think as MSPs, we need to be those trusted advisors yeah. to come back and say, I know you just bought a server. That's the cost of being in business in a transition. We need to have yeah. conversations about where I need to take you and what the strategy is going forward. What is your security strategy as an SMB? Where are you going? And a lot of that gets moved into normalized functions that I can do as a script, as an MSP. 
you know, it's it, trying to change, it, yeah. change it away from being a cost center of like, you know, oh, IT's back asking for some more money where it's like, look, what are this some my issues? strategy advisor? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are some challenges you're having right now? Or you can't get good staff? Well, because you're forcing them to drive into downtown Toronto core. You know, like a lot of these people are moving out and they don't want to commute two hours. And, and or using horrible technology and they buy, they get like, when I was yeah. looking at taking my job, this is no joke. When I looked at it, I looked at all these big players. I had some great offers. I was yeah. very humbled. It was amazing. Yeah. But when I looked at it, only two of them were bound to Azure Active Directory and used modern principles and modern office. Everybody else still had an anchor of the VPN back to the office and the office to the Active Directory server yeah. and then single sign-on through Federation and extension into the office. And it's like, why would you put all this risk? And all the way back to your Hafnium conversation for the people that, that are maybe a little more technical, they yeah. used that to jump into the cloud and attack the cloud. Right. Once they gained access yeah. and were able to use and craft a SAML response for Duo to then jump across those JSON to have a OAuth token in Microsoft, as I understood it. And so you're like, this is kind of the way that they gained access was through these vulnerabilities that wouldn't exist in the other even model. When, yeah, yeah. Even when they had already done a hybrid migration, but they had to leave yep. the exchange server for management on-prem. Guess what? That's I so still, remember that, bro. That was yeah. so bad. Yeah. It's like, don't worry, I'm in Office 365. I'm like, no, you're hybridized. So you're still vulnerable. Well, yeah. What? And you run the script and like, sure enough, bang, 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 there's the entry you got to rebuild like that's we got to start purging this stuff and cleaning it out so and, and rebuild you know i, I will i don't want to get down that rabbit hole it wasn't always the option but sometimes it was easier <laughs> we yeah. used it as an excuse to forklift yeah but so you got you got that you know some cost fallacy from um the uh from the client standpoint and then like from a partner standpoint like your organization probably is very ingrained with traditional supply and disty you may actually yeah. be deriving a lot of your margin from the markups or the True. bulk you're dealing especially vars <clears throat> value-added resellers that might be just doing bulk products so you know so yeah you may be getting some kickback from that so to lose you know your project <laughs> margin because if you're yep. up in the cloud there's no big projects anymore so you lose your yeah. project margin you use your hardware margins. So there there are other cool. projects though, uh, yeah. you know, right? This now starting to see extensibility to say, let me go yeah. deal with your Salesforce integration to your identity. Let me go deal with, right? So you could see that becoming some of this the farming. Power BI dashboard. Yeah, yeah, some. yeah. That kind of stuff is where the project's yeah. shifting to, I do believe. But it was funny, yeah. you mentioned that because I hadn't connected this yet, but I was speaking at an MSP sales kickoff uh, not too long ago, really large mm -hmm. company. I think they had added like 8 million a quarter in MRR last quarter. Wow. Um, it was ridiculous. Um, and so I was talking to them about it and, and this gentleman pulls me aside and I didn't know at the time he was the CEO. I just went out and said, sure, I'd be glad to have a conversation. The guy goes, can we chat? And somewhat, um, uh, and, you're so easy to kidnap. I know. It's, it's, dude, you could snag me in a heartbeat. Now you might find me harder to let go of, but certainly yeah. easy to get a hold of. Um, but, but yeah, so he walks out with me and, and we're chatting and he goes, you know, Matt, I got a question. He says, are you suggesting that that some people already get this and they're already driving clients there and we're starting to see this reduction in hardware? And I said, yeah, I don't know how far ahead of the spear I am, but I think that a lot of partners are starting to get this. And I've been doing this since 2017, right? I've been 100% yeah. AAD bound and Intune managed since 2017, 2018. Yeah. Um, and, and anyways, and I said, yeah. And, and he says, and you can see a light bulb. And, and he goes, you know, and, I, and that's when he tells me he's the CEO there. And he goes, 
I've been seeing this massive reduction in hardware and projects and things weren't happening in the same way. And, you know, start, and, and it goes all the way back to like, I had this girl that was a friend of mine that started a, um, a clinic for, uh, therapy. She's a therapist. Yeah. And she sat down and she said, Matt, help me just on the side consult. You know, what would I need to do to set up? How should I build myself? And I said, listen, you use Azure Active Directory completely, manage everything in Intune. You'd bring that with certain policies that force you to only be able to sign in from resources that are managed yep. in Intune so that you put your conditional access to lock out a lot of things. Um, and then you would have MFA and, and have extensibility into all your different applications. Yep. And hopefully you'd find an app that's SAML or OIDC based that you can tie into that's SAS. She said, oh, that's great. And I didn't hear back from her. And her yeah. husband worked for me at the time. And so I reached out to him. I was like, hey, man, what's going on? Did, did she not get started on the business? She goes, no, no, everything's fine. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, she just set it up herself. She found this online company that would do the <laughs> scripting for it. And she searched all the words and she found somebody that did it for her and just set it up. And my argument is like people are researchers now. Our constituency are starting to go, oh, yeah. I'm going to figure this out. And, and so the people we're wanting to talk to, if we're going to add value, we have to add strategic value. We have to add this understanding of how do I take you from here to there? How do I take your anchor? Like I say, yeah. the tide's going to rise. That means somebody might be anchored to the ground and they're going to drown, right? Yeah. And so how do I take your anchor and shift it? So like we saw that shift with, you know, for better or worse, Amazon or just the shift in hardware market in general. Yeah. Uh, and we saw this as, as an MSP. We started getting price checked on hardware. Yeah. And it's so like, well, you know, and so it's like, well, if you give them the skew, they could literally drop that into Google and like, you know, Lenovo or Dell would have the exact same model on a client facing website, $100 cheaper. And we and would respond, to, we add value. And if we sell it, we we'll support. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would have never have found that unless I provided it. Well, what about these ones? And like, you know, every once in a while, they, they would actually have better versions than what we could get. So yeah. you'd approach the distance like, oh, that's our, that's our commercial network. Like we can't pull from that stock. Yeah, so yeah. we started losing clients, hardware sales to our vendors because they had different stock pools and things like that. And that's all that aside, like, we, we would, you know, you try to, as an MSP, you try to lock into a specific hardware vendor because you get buying power when you yep. buy a or lot of from credit. One. Yeah. Yep. When you buy a lot from one, you get spiffs, you get kickbacks, you all this stuff. And like, that's great until someone's like, I hate that brand. And you lose a client because for whatever reason, they bought yeah. a, a Lenovo in 2016 yeah. that came with a bad screen and they swore it off company wise. And like, you have to deal with that. And it's like, well, would you go spin up a partnership with HP for one client? No, you, you lose the business. Right. Yeah. So when we're seeing this shift and like, if we talk about, you know, the, the being driven to remote hardware constraints, shift in requirements, like we saw a massive resurgence of like remote desktop services. Oh, we, we but used then, AVD to solve some of those things, right? Like, well, yeah, we, did it our, AVD, like we had terminal servers and RDS, like start becoming project options. Again, we spent a long time yeah. getting people away from those. I know. Right. Because, the, the history of your, just, your repetition point, right? It was it's just an absolute pain in the ass, right? Licensing like, okay, pain, it, scalability cost, yeah. performance cost. Proper usually. ADD yeah. deployment or, or RDS deployments has like four underlying architected servers. Yep. A lot of organizations just wrap it around a VPN agent. It's not ideal, but like, yeah. it, you just wanted to touch do. on Miguel's point here, how you respond within the first hour when you're compromised is crucial. And, and what he's speaking towards yeah. just for making sure we're hitting this point is like, if you were talking about an Azure AD or an AWS or Google or whatever mm -hmm. infrastructure you're talking about for those devices, because if we think about everything becoming a web page, yeah. right, <laughs> then we start seeing that a lot of the other functions that, that create risk can go away too. We start seeing this normalization of some of those things. Um, yeah. For example, taking away local admin because I don't need to run anything anymore. I'm not running applications. I'm using yeah. web. Anyways, doesn't matter. But the point is 
Mm-hmm. Miguel's point is that when we start talking about the pieces of of a of a of an I, a life cycle, you have this identify to find the assets and the data. You have this protect, right, to protect the data, to protect the things, put in you know front lo- loaded controls to protect it, and then yep. you have this detect because eventually something's going to get past that, and yep. how you respond and how quick you detect actually dictate the rest of that outcome, the rest of that loss. How much did you contain it? How quickly did you discover it? How quickly were you able to yep. reduce the impact? If we hadn't have found FireEye finding solar winds, right, two years wow. ago, we might still not know about it. And we might still not know years? about the loss. Yeah, it's been 2020. It was, yeah, it's nuts. But if we hadn't had that all happen, yeah. we wouldn't we, we wouldn't know some of this. And and the point is, is like how fast you detect and respond. And, and to, the, to his point, like especially ransomware and things like that, egression of data, yeah. how quickly you can stop in that first hour is, of your compromise mm-hmm. is crucial. Did you contain it? Were you able to say yes or no? Like in your case, no, they had yep. the Haftium popped them with a shell within you know two hours. In fact, that's the only time the yep. FBI so far in the United States has taken action extra judiciarily. I mean, they got a yeah, they got a warrant, but they didn't really have like real basis to stand on yeah. to break into these networks. In fact, it was funny. I, I showed for forgiveness after. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did a video on using um, <clears throat> on using uh, Log4j and PwnKit together to get into a unified controller, right? Yeah, yeah and then yeah, patch them. That. And so I was poking my, my FBI friend at breakfast. We, we, we have a pretty good standing breakfast. And, yeah. and I said, hey, man, let me, can, I, can I show you this video and ask you what I should do going forward? I said, can I do that? He goes, are you fucking with me? I said, no, yeah. <laughs> he said, no, you can't do that. I said, well, you guys did. Yeah. He goes, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and he said, we just put that. And he actually said something smart. He said, we just put that on the courts. He said, yeah. we just forced that to be something to be dealt with on the courts. So I was like, that's actually pretty prescient. Like, let's get some precedent. It's almost like, a, it's like, okay, well, what's the... You know, what's worse, you know, losing an entire like secure, like the security of our nation or like, you know, a long drawn out court date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I think they chose the, the former. Yeah. And it sets a precedence, but it's it's really interesting. And I, I suspect we probably could have seen something very similar to like the Spectre meltdown stuff. And yeah. like to bring it back again to the hardware uh, side of things. And, and you know, as an MSP, if you were there during the Spectre meltdown and it was like the big thing, like to the point where. You know, even print nightmare we'll use that as an example too a little bit more software oriented yeah. but like a definite crux to you know on-prem infrastructure like you're very rarely running a print server when you're in cloud right like yeah yeah you're probably a, using you know, printix just to solve the fact that you're not using vpn in that way yeah and you know like and if you are like, like you're, you're, you're really remaking your life harder like you're engineering yeah. you're creating infrastructure just to support legacy right yeah. like you're creating vpns like, and bovpns to the cloud or something the reality know? of our industry right now is like my mom called me up and she's like, <clears throat> am I in trouble with this print nightmare thing? <laughs> and like, and then I was like, what do you, like, how do you know about that? And realize like CNN and Fox News are blasting as this massive thing. Like this is starting to become public knowledge where if your CEO or your clients come to your, come to you and be like, should I be worried about this? You're already too late. Yeah, because if they're hearing it and like not to say like you need to be on the, the corner of everything, but you should have an easy response to that. Did you just like compare me to being on the corner for all the stuff I put out right away? Like this, this is not a good maybe I'm having a language barrier here, Matt, but on the corner here no, might well, not have the same connotation. I'm pretty sure my mom. <laughs> the edge, I think. The edge. Kid. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah follow, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Maybe after this, but like, you know, realistically, like when we're looking at it, the second this stuff becomes public knowledge, like you should have already like if you get a call from your client like obviously getting a communication out immediately maybe is not always as easy like if you don't have a mail merge or whatever the case is but like when you get that phone call 
being like, hey, am I susceptible to this print nightmare thing? Your response should be no or yes, but, you know, yeah. you're already aware of it. No, we are on the edge. We are, you know, we're on the, not necessarily the bleeding edge, but we're on the cutting edge and yeah. leveraging modernized technologies. And we've taken the shared responsibility model and taken all the heavy hitters. And we've put that in global organizations' hands. Yeah. You know, we've got Microsoft doing the heavy lifting. We'll make sure your endpoints are good, but when well, you know, you're sharing who's responsible, right? Like you're sharing yeah. who's responsible for it. Now, the challenge I make to the Microsofts of the world, and I say this in public, I also say this in private with them, but is that why in the hell should I even be able to create an insecure password? Why would your software yeah. allow it? And oftentimes the answer is, well, we don't want to lose the customer base. The good yeah. news is the customer base is shifting, which should allow some of these mm -hmm. things to be taken upon them, right? If you look, there's been several successful companies that have said, we're turning on 2FA, sorry. You're all going to yeah. use 2FA, period. And and, uh, <clears throat> and we're starting to see that, but Microsoft hasn't quite mm -hmm. crossed that line yet. And you haven't yeah. seen that on a lot of things where you could still have to do a GPO to take away internal local domain capability to make an insecure password. password being a huge yeah. thing like you know not, not to harp on printers but like sure. i spent another hour harping on printers because the bane those, those, probably that's a hard one for printers don't you, you ever seen office oh, space geez. never mind oh, yes yeah <laughs> every weekend every weekend no but that's great you know, realistically like i don't know in, in an office 365 migration from on-prem to the cloud i would say anywhere from one to six hours trying to get scan to email working because that yeah. version of xerox didn't work with this version of Rico or whatever. <clears throat> okay, well, and then and, and it's usually because they don't support TLS. See, I was gonna say it's yeah, usually because yeah. they're backwards on protocol. And, we uh, use a third know, party for that typically. We would yeah, use something I, like I a MailChimp one, yeah. or uh, yeah, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, like it's it's one of those things. Like when we're talking about moving, like having that complete solution and moving, like when you're retiring these services and you're moving from a capex to an opex model, there needs to be a shift in like just looking at the numbers. Yeah. Every time I talk to my partners, I go, realistically, if you're doing a CapEx expenditure versus an OpEx cloud, I go, the best I can do is three and a half years before you break even, where the CapEx becomes the more economical choice. If yep. we're purely talking cash, which we should not be. And I always say, if you <laughs> play the price game, it's a race to the bottom. Right. And then, you're, then you turn into what I call a trunk slammer. Yeah. Where essentially you're not a trusted advisor. You're there just to seal the transaction, get your sale and move forward. And that doesn't do either of your businesses any good because then you there's no loyalty. And then there becomes this issue of like, hey, <clears throat> you're telling me I could have been completely mobile in the cloud and it would only cost me ten, <clears throat> $10 a user more a month. Yeah. Right. Not that coffee. And a day some upfront thing. project cost, right? I mean, obviously there's some transition yeah. costs and there's a lot of value there. But um You know, and if you drive yeah. that with them, it's like, look, yes, it's twenty thousand dollars for this project, but you're spending twenty thousand dollars in labor every five years anyways. Five years hopefully if you can commit the, the, them to that. The, the challenge I had just being transparent was yeah. and this is why I predict this is a cliff. I don't think this is just a little bit of a shift. Yeah. I think this is actually a ah or a four, oh, yeah. right? Like yeah. is that whenever I did this, we converted clients from traditional on-prem. We had this one uh, uh, ag uh, recruiting company that had people all over the country, typically poor bandwidth, trying to yeah. connect over a VPN to use a third, you know, a software service mm -hmm. that would then, uh, I think it was a lead or something like that. Um, and the challenge was when we shifted to um, Azure AD binding, direct ship of machines, direct provisioning, and they went to a cloud version of this stuff, then you got into a world where it was all identity. And they said, Matt, like, we're letting you guys go. Why? 
Yeah. Well, you don't provide any value to us anymore. Everything works. Oh, no the sysadmin curse. Yeah, and right? you're starting. Well, you're starting to head down that way in a real hard way. Where if I started yeah. a new MSP tomorrow, which I'm not legally allowed to, I do not plan on. I certainly have no <laughs> intentions. But if I started an MSP tomorrow and I only Goldilocks those clients and found the perfect clients that were either at all in cloud, heading towards mm -hmm. cloud, um, and you know, has a bunch of these printer companies. Printer companies yeah. have tons and tons of these five-person offices that could easily transition to an online service that's web-based and easily transition at low cost, you know, to a to a cloud-based platform. And you could scale up thousands of those companies, and they would all just be one GUID, one globally unique identifier, one large number away, in a mm -hmm. script from the next guy or gal. Which means that I can provide the exact same outcome in a platform basis with companies like Pax8 Pro, with companies like Roost. There's like 50 of them, right? You have your low-code, no-code solutions. You can build it out as Zapier. You could do a lot of these things out of yeah. just automating things. And when you get Create to that point, right? yeah, everyone's in their own way, except yeah. everything we ever deployed was like 98% identical with like a domain name change <laughs> and maybe a couple of policy changes. Nobody And to some it. effect, we did that. We used the same network schemas. Yeah. We used the same AD structures. We used the Naming same, we kind of did that, right? Like I knew an ADSO one server was going to be AD and I knew that, yeah. right? And some people yeah. called them Snoopy and Captain Snizzle Pants, right? Like it, yeah. it, it was, yeah. I don't know if a Snizzle Pants made it in the market. Up, but maybe, yeah, uh, yeah. but too long. <laughs> yeah, too it's long outside of the, the net bios yeah. domain length uh, limitations. But like you know, realistically, like, and it, it, that became almost a uh, like artisanal IT, where it's like not IT is not for you know not every IT solutions for everyone. We'll customize one just for you, and like yeah. that was a sales tactic. And like I'm I'm guilty of it that was a too. scale tactic too, though in it, a lot of yeah. ways. Like, but not as you achievable know, as cloud scale, right? In the ways that could function. You no, know, but like in. I didn't say about like eight out of 10 of my clients was going on whatever Lenovo was the hot one, you know, what was in stock that time. And like, we'd order four at the same time and literally like, here's my USB key, click, deploy, 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 yeah. yep. turn yep. on. Okay, good. You collect them down, put it in like the project were the same, like the labor calculators didn't need to change. How much data yep. do they have? Click. Okay, good. Cause the yeah. same problems and the same items, but like the advantage of doing that as the MSP was, you know, to your point, it became standardized, which means yep, very onboarding staff providing yep. the experience that the client thought they were getting. Uh, we well, like used to say uh, you could take a B player and make them an A player, right? Yeah. Standardization. Yeah. Um, and that you yeah. could say, okay, at least, you know, if you walk in this environment, it's a dual AD environment, it's going to look like this. If it's mm -hmm. five different ADs and it's different sites, they're going to look like this. This is your AD schema. Yep. Here's your, you know, network schema that you'll probably see and what VLANs mean what. Like all of that standardization yeah. allowed us to try to like script as much as possible, if you will, quote unquote, human mm -hmm. script or otherwise, um, yep. you know, the, the the ability to support it at scale, right? And you could have a higher density of number of humans that you were supporting to any number of W2 multiplier costs, right? Um, yeah. And, and so that I think is at an extreme when you start getting into the amount of API stuff you can configure, like not only can oh. I take over your domain and get set up, I can go into Azure and set all the functions and send an email to your people saying MFA is going to turn on and then send a yeah. follow-up email when Sally doesn't do hers and maybe a video that comes with that, that comes from the CEO. And then Create I can start. Power BI script, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that Power BI that integrates into the HR system that kicks off an email to the <laughs> yeah. help desk. Yeah. Yeah. Auto enabling MFA, auto yeah. provision for licensing, you know, yep. and buys the laptop, ships it to the house of address, creates the, the account in Salesforce, yeah. 
creates the accounts in the other, skim provisioning, creates all the accounts and all the line of business applications that sets up their group memberships, the dynamic group memberships based on their title of the person took them in the right groups that gave them access to the right someone, teams. Like that's automated. The organization, right? Plugging the holes up. How many of the exploits recently have been like, we, we forgot we had a VPN credentials out in the wild and we just didn't turn them off. <laughs> yeah, VPN well, because, like, well, secret one two three. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, but like beyond that, like you know, a lot of things like oh, it was a, it was a VPN credentials we forgot to shut off. Uh, yeah, you know, there's a whole there's PIM, right? Privilege yeah. PIM and PAM, right? Where you can have it yeah. just yeah, have exactly. escalations, de-escalations. No. All of that gets standardized and easy to deploy at scale. Yeah. Is the point and support? And it's all the same support, same structure. We have a driving force right now in Canada. I'm assuming it's probably the same thing in the, in the U.S. with cyber insurance, like essentially oh, mandate multi-factor authentication on everything. Yeah, it's even switches no in some cases. Yeah, yeah. sure, no problem. I got it on. I got it on my Office 365. Okay, cool. What about your on-prem server? Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, like you got to protect that too. And suddenly you're yeah. looking at like, oh, federated services or like a duo subscription. It's like, or you tie the identities all into Office 365 using Azure AD and you just host it in ABD. And, you, and it gets stored in the TPM 1, or 3.0, um, And right? then everything, and, or 1.3. BitLocker, everything local is BitLockered, everything's behind, you know, hello for business. You go passwordless, which is a huge experience improvement for everybody. I don't think, I don't even know what my Pax8 password is if I'm completely honest. I just log yeah. in with my eyes every day. <laughs> So you can get um, into FIDO tokens and physical tokenization yep. that, that now gets so to that level back of security. A bit of hardware, right? Yep. You know, you got a little bit of physical something I have. Like, but yeah, the, the, to the point, it's super scalable. The security, and everybody says, man, but if you put everything in Microsoft or if you put everything in AWS, then the attack surface is always, yeah, but you at least know the attack surface and you can predictably yep. scan it and you can check it and you can look at well, it for variables and delineations. And multi cloud. Yeah. If you're really worried about that, multi cloud, the yeah. clouds. Although they are, you know, competitors, like there's bridging services. They are actively saying, they're like, trying oh, to. Multi yeah. Multi-cloud is the new approach. Microsoft's got Arc that will essentially monitor resources yeah. in AWS to make sure it's like, hey, look, your security policies that you're paying us for, they're okay over there too. We're keeping an eye on that. Which so let's like, not even get your, started on the compliance framework aspects ooh, yeah. of this from a capability, you know, right? PCI like that's DSS, a whole other conversation. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, well and the ability to, yeah. The ability to essentially scan like folders. I, I don't know how many like PII scans I used to do and be like, yeah, you got like $1.2 million in exposed credit cards just because right. like you ran a golf tournament in 2021 <laughs> and just put them on an Excel spreadsheet like this yeah. on, on an open drive. Like, or baked them in your customer service, your CSO, yeah. CSR or whatever. <laughs> You're like, sending Swift crazy. codes, yeah. you know, over email because that's just your process. Because like nobody, like to your point of rising the tide, no one's questioning that. Like, yeah. I don't know how many times I had a client just be like, well, here's the, here's the credit card. Can you update the system? And they'd email it to me. And I'm just like, oh man, I can't even reply back to the email because our DLP policies stop it at the border. So I have to call them being like, I need you to delete that from your sent folder. We're going to go purge that from our system. Never do that again. Yeah, and that's an education why. thing, right? That's, that's it, back it, to it, that it, being the trusted advisor, the, my attorney yeah. going, hey, Matt, this is not okay, <laughs> right? The, yeah. There's that that kind of and, but uh, like, piece, the right? education. So. But like, could you imagine at this point running DLP? Ah, yeah. uh, we did it. <laughs> we got we we moved the hearts of one individual. It's fantastic. No, but to we that won. point, we we are certainly at time. I want to be respectful of everybody's time that's decided to join us. Matt, this has been a stupid, riveting conversation. Um, I feel like this could have gone on for hours, and I don't know if anybody gets any value out of it, but at least Jessica made our hearts happy and there said that she did. So, no, I, I really believe that people think of cloud as Azure and infrastructure. 
But I think of infrastructure as a method to bridge to the physical world or to bridge to things that are those stop gaps of getting there so that you can get there before your competitor starts up and builds a very flourishing practice already built that way. So, And if I ever get a vote from Shiva, um, that makes my heart warm as well. So very I'd cool. say at the Good very least, have it, have it in your quiver. Everyone's afraid. It seems like an ocean to drown in. And it is. It is. Start small. Yeah. Start with the But you can drown in your bathtub. Like, you know, just <laughs> honest, so let's just... Someday, man. Someday. All right. Thank you all so much.